Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 48 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who is here to tell you the recommended intake of water per day is borderline inhumane. And I have my co-host with me, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what's good? Yeah, I got a big beef with NBA 2K17. The people over there at 2K Sports need to get something going here because the shot clock is too damn quiet. I can never hear it. Oh, I don't have that problem because I just chuck up shots with my man Sean. I, I actually play with the Nets, believe it or not, just because I'm a glutton for punishment. My man Sean Kilpatrick gets buckets in NBA 2K17, believe it or not. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni offense. <laughs> yeah, that, that that might be rock bottom when you're playing NBA 2K17 and highlighting uh, Sean Kilpatrick. Uh, trust me, I've done it. So we're <laughs> going to get into our division preview, speaking of Sean Kilpatrick, because we are going to uh, be previewing every division, including today uh, the Atlantic division with the Brooklyn Nets among the uh, participants, not likely to be one of the participants in uh, anything successful. And, uh, and we're going to go coast to coast because then we're going to go to the West Coast with the Pacific Division. Every week we're going to do two divisions, and that will bring us, uh, you know, three weeks from now. And then, obviously, the week before will be the week before the season starts, and then we'll give you a sort of a uh, overall season preview. But as I said, we are going to start with the Atlantic and the Pacific Division uh, because we're both East Coast guys. East Coast bias always takes, uh, takes account. So we are going to start with the Atlantic Division and – we're going to do it a little different because we like to uh, kind of shake things up here at the No Look Pass podcast. We're going to give you some awards for each division, and then we're going to rank where we see the division as a whole. And then, of course, it's the No Look Pass podcast, so we have to give you a No Look Pass for each division. So, Andy, I am going to start headline with the MVP of the Atlantic Division. Who did you have as the MVP of the Atlantic Division? And let me tell you that I think that you know, looking between the Atlantic and the Pacific, it's a lot easier to drum up some talent in the Pacific division to go for this award. So I think this one took a little more thought, but I'm going to go with my, my little homie, Isaiah Thomas. I think he's going to be, I I feel like he already kind of was, you know, taking that, that uh, general charge for Boston, who I think will be much improved. Um, and, And I think a lot of people see Al Horford as going there, and saying something along the lines of, you know, Isaiah Thomas will compliment Al Horford well, but I think it's the other way around. I think this is, you know, the younger man's time. He's got, you know, some good guards to play alongside, uh, you know, and, and I think I feel like I stole your pick. So that that's my guy, <laughs> Isaiah. Who do you got? <laughs> so as a general rule, Andy and I, we always have a format for the show, but we never discuss each other's picks just because we like the element of surprise and knowing what what not knowing what the other person is going to say while we're on the show. And then we can kind of off the cuff discuss it. Cause we feel like that's when we're at, we're at our best. And I was hundred percent confident that you were not going to take Isaiah Thomas. Uh, so I took Isaiah Thomas and yeah. for a lot of the reasons, a lot of the reasons that you gave, uh, I really think that, but one reason that you didn't give, which I think might be the biggest reason that he's going to be the MVP is I really believe that, even though Al Horford is going to be the quote-unquote star of the team and the best player on the team, like like you said, you know, people are expecting him to be the best player. When it comes down to crunch time, I really think Isaiah Thomas is going to be the Celtics' crunch time player. He's going to be the guy that gets the ball in, in the situation. Thus, he's going to have the most, uh, I, I want to say highlights. You know, he's going to have the most plays where you're going to look back at the top 10 Celtics plays 
of 2016, and maybe seven or eight of them are going to be Isaiah Thomas plays. Just him making plays in late-game situations. And I, I really am high on the Celtics, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm spoiling my, my winner of the division. I really do think that they're going to be one of the better teams, not only in the division, but in the conference as a whole. So, And I think Isaiah Thomas, again, is going to be the catalyst for all of that. Well, I think another important thing is, is I think if we look at Boston, they have a very strong core of guards with Bradley and Thomas and Smart. And I think Isaiah being, you know, that, that front runner, the guy who can do a little bit of everything, because he can play with either one of these guys, being that he's a, a good enough facilitator and he can score the basketball. So there's really they're going to seamlessly shift these guys, and it's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully Bradley's able to stay healthy this season. But I, I do like what they have going on, and, and I'm pretty high on them too if I'm spoiling my pick as well. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's time for the green machine to be good again, and it doesn't ever seem to take the Celtics too many years to re-up, does it? Yeah, that's that's true as well. And the other thing I want to say about Isaiah is it, it's sort of it's sort of a consolation, but you know, obviously it's something he can't avoid. I think it's a little overrated how bad he is defensively because I think most of his defensive deficiencies are because of his size. Granted, he can never change his size. He will always be, you know, shorter and he will always be defending bigger guys. So, in a sense, he'll always be sort of crippled defensively, but I think besides that, which is a large concession to make, I think he does play pretty solid defense. I think he can stay in front of his defender. Um, I think he's kind of like a hand, like a ball hawk, if you want to say, like a you know somebody that gets a lot of tip balls is kind of pesky. Granted, I, I still don't think he's good defensively, but I think he get, he does get a little bit of a bad rap for his defensive posture. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. I, you know, I think some players just by sheer stroke of luck are better defensive players than others. And I think Isaiah Thomas is not one of those players. But I think of, like, with his game as a whole, being that he is undersized, I think he works harder. And I do – I sometimes it's not a whole game. It's not 48 minutes at a time. But sometimes I notice Isaiah – I'm like, Isaiah Thomas is being kind of pesky out there. And he does. He works. Right. And he shoots into the lanes because he's quick. And I also agree that a lot of the bad rap he gets is because he's simply undersized. And I think that's the, the bad rap he's gotten with his game as a whole, we talked about this years ago, um, not on the show, but we did it in the point guard draft. And I, I kept, I referred to how Thomas was kind of like the option until there's a real point guard option for some of these teams like the Kings before. But, you know, I think he's really settled in in Boston and he can't be denied at this point. But, you know, a lot of things hold him back based on his size. I think, I, I think that's a general thing in basketball. Yeah. We, I think we call them the plan B point guard. He's always, he's always a good uh, plan B until you have a plan A. So yeah. talking about talking about his defense, um, I definitely do not think he's going to win this next award, though, as much as we tried to defend <laughs> his defense just now. The uh, Defensive Player of the Year in the Atlantic Division. Uh, I'm going to go first. I'm sticking with the Celtics, Andy. I got Avery Bradley. Uh, I heard his concerns. He said that he should always be in the talks for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think this will be any difference. I, I think he'll be in the talks as a whole in the, in the entire league, and I definitely think he's the best defensive player in his division. To be honest, I didn't really see a lot of competition for him in the uh, in the Atlantic Division. Not really, uh, not really uh, flooded with defensive studs. I guess is, is what I'm going to say. 
I mean, you know, I, I like Bradley too, and obviously I considered him because I think he is kind of one of those picks that stands out in this Atlantic uh, or this Atlantic division. But I went with uh, a guy we talked about quite a bit last week, the disruptor, uh, Nerlens Noel. I, I think he has a lot to offer defensively, oh, and okay. I think the Sixers, I think they will be improved. I don't think they'll be great, but I think they'll be better than they have been. So I, I think, you know, that kind of helps people get eyes on him. I don't expect him to, to really, you know, run for the – defensive player of the year award maybe at the end of the year with everybody else but as far as this division goes I think you know he does a lot of things we talked about how he's not just a a good shot blocker but he can fill the lane he steals the ball and he just disrupts offenses so I like Nerland's I like his haircut he's my guy (laughs) you like the number two eraser haircut shout out shout out to the number two eraser haircut for uh, Nerland's Noel there Um, I I didn't pick Nerland's Noel I considered him uh, mostly because one of my predictions is that Nerlens Noel will not be on the Philadelphia 76ers the whole season, so thus he couldn't win any Atlantic Division rewards. So let's move on to our next award, uh, the Rookie of the Year in the Atlantic Division. Uh, we have a few possibilities. Obviously, one of them kind of, well, I don't know, maybe you took him anyways, but uh, Ben Simmons, as we know, is down for at least eight weeks with a, a fractured bone or a broken bone in his uh, fifth metatarsal, the same injury Brook Lopez had for the next a few years back. Um, so he's probably out of the running, but maybe you just took him anyways. Andy, who you got? Um, I'm taking Ben Simmons, ben Simmons anyways. I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know how long the injury is going to take. I'm, it's, I think like a three-month injury is what they're saying. Uh, I, I've read up on it a little bit. A lot of people think it's more like an eight-week injury. We'll see. The one, you know, talking about his injury, the one good thing is, is they're saying the, the injury itself is not – an injury that's reflected based on the weight gain, which is good because I know that that was people's original concern straight out of the gate. Oh, he put on weight too fast. This is why Brandon Ingram says he's gradually gaining weight. No, Brandon Ingram is gradually gaining weight because he's the size of Kevin Durant and he can't just gain all this weight. I mean, the guy is a pterodactyl. So Simmons, you know, they, they say he was doing it the right way. I'm sure with the program is in place based on the fact that he was the number one pick. They weren't just letting him, you know, go bomb down about 60 cheesesteaks down the street at Pats or Geno's or whatever have it. But I, I think he's just too talented. He's going to come back. He's going to snub me when I go to see the game next month. But, you know, yeah. I still got to love the guy. Uh, one might argue that Kevin Durant still has problems putting on weight because of his build. So it, it really doesn't surprise me that Brandon Ingram uh, has trouble putting on weight. I did not go with Ben Simmons. I went with his teammate, though. I went with a Blake Griffin-esque uh, Joel Embiid performance. I really think that he is going to be the focal point of the 76ers team for the mo- most of the season because, like I said, I think Nolan's Noel will get traded. I think uh, Embiid will prove that he's better than Okafor, which I think is something that everybody knows. It's just a matter of health, and obviously Okafor had the opportunity last season to score all those points and everything, but I think once they both get on the floor together, people will realize that Embiid is the better player. So as long as he stays healthy, I do really see him producing numbers, getting the minutes necessary, really getting everything necessary. I think he's going to be the rookie of the year, period, um, and in the Atlantic Division. So I'm picking him division, conference, NBA, uh, worldwide, Joel Embiid, Rookie of the Year. That's what I got. And that's a sneaky good one. I mean, I I, I do like the, the prospect of uh, Joel, Greg Oden, Embiid. I, I hope he's able to showcase some of the things we saw before. You know, there was talks when he got drafted about him making a bunch of racks of three balls for the Cleveland Cavaliers and things of that nature. So it's interesting to see, and obviously the things uh, 
surrounding that situation with Okafor and Noel and the injury of Simmons. So we'll see. I mean, Philly Philly's going to be an interesting disaster. I can't believe you just threw shade by calling Joel Embiid, Greg Oden, yo, yo, Andy well, Flynn. I'm, I'm starting early. You. you need more people. No, you, yo, I, I, I'm just waiting for Joel Embiid to at you on Twitter right now because he's going to have a thousand retweets of just everything wrong with your life. Uh, so the next thing we're going to do is we, we are ranking the divisions as a whole. So, Andy, out of the six divisions, where does the Atlantic Division rank as a whole in your opinion? Number four. Oh. So Math. I have it number five. I almost had it in the basement at number six. So I'm I'm really I'm really curious uh, as we go on. Obviously, we're not going to give you know where we have a, a a head and below because that would ruin the rankings for the rest of the weeks. But so you have four out of six, and I have five of six. So we'll we'll see where where really that ranks in the future. That's sort of like a stay tuned kind of thing for the No Look Pass podcast. Well. We'll continue that discussion next week, uh, clearly. So, um, we are going well, let, to. Can I say into... something? Yeah, absolutely. Let, let me. I, I, I just want to elaborate that I, I think you and I also, there's a strong possibility that we rank the division slightly differently. You know, this is good for the audience to understand based on the fact that we have no idea what the other one went off of. I right. kind of got a little weird today. And I did – I literally, my teams, one through in each conference, and I mathematically ranked them. I mean, I couldn't even have oh, a say like in a this. After, I, I like it's, – it's analytics, and I'm new to this because I'm not a math-heavy person, but I think it works out. It's, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to add some drama to these shows, I think. So let's move it forward. Oh, I just wanted I, to get that out there first. So, so I, I didn't realize that you went with the nerd – you went with the nerd way. I went straight off field. I just went. I just looked at the divisions and, and looked at those five teams, and I went, "How do I feel about those five teams?" And then I just kind of went back from there. But I didn't realize we had a whole ranking system going on. So we're gonna we're definitely gonna get into the <laughs> ranking system at some point. Uh, as we know, this is the No Look Pass podcast, so we have to give you a No Look Pass for each division, which is what we're saying is an unforeseen circumstance, something that you did not see coming, much like a center. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good center that never sees a pass coming. I'm going to go with Spencer Hawes. I feel like every time Spencer Hawes gets thrown a no-look pass, he drops it. So uh, what is the no-look pass for the Atlantic division for you, Andy? Like an unforeseen circumstance that may happen that would change the outcome of the division as a whole. I mean, I, I think this one's rather easy for me, at least. And I think it's that the Knicks pull it off and they win. The... I don't think that's going to happen, but that's my no-look pass. Oh. I think – the pieces are obviously in play that if everybody's healthy and if they all play well together, which, you know, a couple of these guys have already played together before coming to New York. I, I you know, I, I think they have a good shot at, at upsetting this division, maybe upsetting that conference. And, you know, while I think it's probably more like a 25% chance, I, I think it's a, a good enough chance that that's my, my look. That, that's a good one. I, I mean, I think that's definitely a popular one that a lot of people will be expecting when, when we ask the question. I definitely think the Knicks are the X factor of this division. I went a little more um, – I don't know if it would change the division as a whole, but I think it would change this team as a whole, so that's, that's why I went with it. Uh, what do the Sixers get for whichever big man they trade? I'm very interested in this because, you know, as we know, as we've discussed multiple times, Noel, Embiid, and Okafor cannot play together. Everybody knows that, including the 76ers, including those three guys. Um, it seems like Noel is kind of the popular pick to, to be the odd man out right now. 
So I'm really curious what kind of guard they, you know, they really get. So I'm thinking like last season when the Pistons traded for Reggie Jackson. Um, I don't know who that player is, but like if the 76ers can get a Reggie Jackson-ish, like a young, a younger guy that can sort of emerge as like, oh, this guy is a starting point guard in the NBA. I really think that would change the outcome of the Sixers season and really their their long term, uh, you know, projection here. So. I'm really curious what they do because I think it's a crucial move in their future. Yeah, I agree. And I'm telling Philly right now that they should keep Nerlens Noel. I, I think Okafor is the, the guy you trade because I think Noel is too valuable. But I, we've obviously talked about this before where obviously Nerlens Noel we feel will fetch more than Okafor, so they might have to pull the trigger there. I, I think you put both guys out there separately and see what you get back. Yeah, I, I agree. I like Noel better than Okafor. I think Okafor is, is, should be the guy that goes, but I, I think Noel will be the guy that goes. So uh, we're running a little bit behind. So quickly, uh, give me your just your straight predictions for the division, uh, one through five. Who, who's going to win the division? Who's going to be at the basement? Go for it. I think we already both gave it away earlier, but I have Boston winning the division with the Raptors, you know, just behind them. The Knicks in the middle because I'm not sure what to expect from them 100% of the way. And then I have it flipped from last year. I have the Sixers and then your Nets. Sorry, Frank. No, it's okay because, honestly, I have it the exact same way. The only thing I really debated was <laughs> I'm not really high on the Raptors this season, so I was debating whether I think the Knicks are going to kind of overtake them for second, but I ended up keeping it that the same way that you said, Celtics, Raptors, Knicks, Sixers, and then my Nets putridly at the bottom. We're going to be competitive. <sighs> We're going to be one of those teams that, like, you're going to have to work to beat us, but we're going to be bad. So it, it, it's going to be an, an interesting season for the Nets, I think. Um, one that will be a lot more maybe enjoyable than those older teams that really were, weren't really good enough to do anything serious. We're going to have a young squad, competitive, but it's, it's going to be pretty bad. I'll be surprised if they win 15 games. Uh, so let's move on. We're going, to, we're going to get on the airplane, travel to the West Coast. Nice sunshine in, in California. we got the Pacific Division here, Andy. And let's just start. MVP of the Pacific Division. Uh, worth noting that they do also uh, have on the roster the MVP of the entire league last season. So who you got? I got to go with the best player in this uh, division or in the conference even. Or no, not in the conference. Right now. But in, in, in the division, um, only player who is a, a female currently playing in the NBA, I'm going with Kendra Durant. I think oh, that's, that's the X factor for this. I, I think I, I I mean I wholeheartedly believe Kevin Durant's the best player on that team now. I, I think he's better than Curry. But yeah, that's that's my go. You you are I mean <laughs> I, I just think that you you uh I, I don't even know. I don't even know what you did. I was gonna make a joke, but I really don't have any jokes because Steph Curry is the best player on the Warriors. He's the best player on the team. He's the MVP. I'm taking him again. All the, the Steph Curry hate needs to stop. Uh, I know that they. I know every meme and every the new thing is to say, well, don't remember that the Warriors blew three one lead. That did happen. I'm not concede. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but we are forgetting that Steph Curry had possibly one of the greatest regular seasons in NBA history. Period. Um, I don't know if you if you've been following. I think it's called Hoop Hoop Dreams. Uh, I, I apologize. I don't remember the name, but they were highlighting the ten best regular seasons. In NBA history, Steph Curry's this season was number three um, among that. And listen, it was really hard for me because 
I don't really know much about the Warriors this season. Like, I don't know who's going to lead the team in points. I don't know who's going to lead the team in rebounding. I'm pretty sure that Steph Curry is going to be the leading assist man. Um, all I know is that they're going to be awesome and they're going to be really good, but I have no idea how the shot distribution is going to be. I don't know anything about the Warriors except that they're going to be good. Um, so I just went with Steph Curry uh, just, just out of just knowing that he's the best player in the league. And I still feel that way, no matter how many people try to convince me that it's LeBron James, no matter how many insane people like you try to convince me that Kevin Durant is the best player on the Warriors, it's Steph Curry. It has been Steph Curry. It will be Steph Curry. It always is Steph Curry. And I feel like I'm at church just preaching to, like, the Steph Curry guy. And I like the kid. I do. And I think Steph is phenomenal. I do think he's one of the top players in the league. But I just think Kevin Durant is still the second best player or the the I, he's the second best player in the league. I, I think we got a little lost with this Westbrook and Curry thing to the point where I, I really, I, I kind of felt bad about it. And then like these attacks, I go with Durant calling him a woman and stuff because of what he did. But Durant's still Durant. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't think I've really ever seen many players as good as him as where, I, you know, I think there's some circumstances in this league. If you stuck Steph Curry on that team, he might not be the best player on that team. I'll if you put him on Cleveland or if you had put him with Durant in Oklahoma City. But I think with Durant, minus going or Sands going to Cleveland, I think he's the best player on any team he goes to. I just think he's such a unique talent. I do think he'll lead the team in scoring. I think they're going to play a little differently. I, I just to me, the math makes so much more sense in my head to say that Curry is a better complement player than Durant can be. And maybe that's a vote for Curry, but I think when the numbers come out and, and at the end of the day, we're going to say, wow, this team was so much better with Kevin Durant on it than without him. And, and that's how he gets you've, the edge to me. You've, you've been spending too many all-nighters at the hookah bar. That's, that's all i got to say. Uh, so let me just I do spend all-nighters at the hookah bar. I think I know your answer to this. So you're saying that Steph Curry is not the best player in the league, not the second best player in the league. Is he the third best player in the league? Or you, you have Westbrook over him too, don't you? You think Steph Curry is the fourth best player in the NBA right now, don't you? Don't test me to make him fifth. Because <laughs> we can make a case for I, I, Kawhi right now. No, I'm just kidding. I can't. Oh I, I wouldn't either. I, I, think, I, think, I think it ends at four. I think Curry is four, and I think thereafter, I, I just think Kawhi Leonard is the fifth. And I think he's more like the eighth in terms of how close he is. So, but yeah, I, I do I, Westbrook I just, all day, man. You knew this. I I did. I knew your answer. It's just this is absurd to me right now. Uh, I, I I recommend everybody in the comment section just hates on Andy or hates on me. Maybe maybe he's <laughs> the fourth best player in the NBA. I don't see it. I think he's number one. But maybe maybe he's the fourth. Maybe the guy that has the historic se- one of the best seasons of all time is the fourth best player in the NBA. Maybe he is. Uh, okay, let's just move on. Defensive player of the year. I got Draymond Green. Every day is Dre Day. I think, like we've discussed many times on this, I, I don't know much about the Warriors, like I just said, but I do know that I think the biggest beneficiary of the Kevin Durant thing is going to be Draymond Green because basically all they need him to do is be Draymond Green now. He doesn't have to do anything besides that. And I think he's going to flourish in just pissing people off every night and being a defensive pain in the ass. Uh, Draymond Green, defensive player of the year, who you got? And this is, you know, pretty easy work, I thought, Draymond Green as well. The only other two guys I could really justify was uh, DeAndre Jordan, who's obviously excellent, and Andre Iguodala, who's on the same team as Green, and Green's clearly the better defender there. Dre day, all day, every day, let's go. Okay. Uh, I'm glad that we can finally uh, agree on something, and that's that Draymond Green is good at kicking people in the nuts, I guess, is what what we're agreeing on. (laughs) Rookie of the year, 
uh, who who do you have for rookie of the year in the Pacific Division? I'm staying generic, and I'm rocking with my boy, the pterodactyl, Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I, I, I went with Ingram as well. Uh, I, I don't really think that there was much debate with this one. Uh, it really depends. It, it's really just, for me, it's a matter of availability, like getting the minutes and getting the time, because the Clippers and the Warriors obviously are way too good of a team to have a rookie of the year candidate on them. Uh, the Kings drafted uh, a replica of the position in which they have the best player already in DeMarcus Cousins. They just thought, oh, let's get somebody that does the things that DeMarcus Cousins does on the field, on the court. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, obviously, they're not really going to get the minutes necessary. So, that left me really with Brandon Ingram. Um, obviously, we have the young guys in Phoenix. But, again, they have so many people, and we're going to get to that in a second. Um but I just think that the Lakers are really the only team that has the ability to give a rookie the amount of time needed to be like to put up any consistent numbers. So that's Brandon Ingram. And so let's move on, Andy, because I think, like you said, we might have a difference in ranking here. What division, one through six, the Pacific division is the blank best division in the league? We for sure disagree here. The Pacific division is the sixth best division in the league. No way. Oh, Listen, I, I didn't think it would be that way either. I had them first when I penciled them in, but then when I went to this thing where I, I ranked the conference, I pulled the numbers, and I did it based on average, and then there was a little wiggle play at the top of where I thought was interesting. I clearly think they have two of the best teams in the West, including the best, but I think their bottom is so putrid that I, I think it kills the conference or it kills the division as a whole. I mean, there's got to be some competitive I, balance. I think you'll, I think you'll be interested to see who I got one. I think your ranking system is like a uh, QBR. Like the, uh, it, it somehow like had, uh, you know, like a backup quarterback as the sixth best quarterback in the league. And then people realize like, Oh, this is a bad statistic. I don't realize. I didn't know that Dak Prescott was the second best quarterback in the league and Tom Brady was 13th. So but that, that's what our numbers say. So that must be the way it is. Uh, I have it first. Uh, it, it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be because, like you, I just had a pencil in first, and I just thought, let's just move on. But to me, like you said, the bottom is so bad. It really depends on, for me, how you feel about the Phoenix Suns, whether you think that they're one of the three worst teams in the league, which is possible some people might think. They kind of have a big floor ceiling. So, for me, I'm a little higher on the Phoenix Suns than most people, so I think they give it at least a respectability factor to which the other two teams might be pretty bad on the bottom, the Kings and the Lakers. And then obviously, like you said, you have the Clippers and the Warriors on top. So we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that later. Uh, the no-look pass, what do you have for the no-look pass of the Pacific Division? The no-look pass of the Pacific Division is the Kevin Durant experiment goes wrong. I have this at about like a 0.7% chance of happening. But the Kevin Durant experiment goes wrong. This team doesn't quite, you know, fulfill expectations. And the Clippers are good enough that, you know, a flat tire were to happen and, and something major went down, the Clippers could jump up and, and possibly take this division. Uh, yeah, that, that is definitely way too far-fetched for me to, to have considered it. Because <laughs> I think even if, even, if the Kevin, even if Kevin Durant, God forbid, broke his foot on the first day of the season, the Warriors are still the best team in that division. Even without – you just take Kevin Durant off that team. They're still a 65-win team. Uh, so I agree. all I know is that they're going to be awesome. And like, I, I think I've said that like five times already because it's true. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't go with that. I went a little more off, off the field. I went with, uh, 
the Phoenix Suns, can Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, and Devin Booker play together? So obviously the, the two guys, Bledsoe and Knight, were injured last season for most of the season. So we didn't we got to see Devin Booker sort of emerge as maybe the go-to guy for the Phoenix Suns. But now that these guys come back, the guys that were the future of the Suns, how does it really work out with the three of them? Is it sort of one of these things where one of them has to be on the bench? Or can we have like a really small Devin Booker at the three kind of thing? I don't know. So I'm, I'm really curious. That's really an unforeseen circumstance because I don't know the answer to it, and I really want to find out, and it's very intriguing to me. Yeah, I mean, in, when talking about the Suns, you also left out the 26th best shooting guard in the NBA, Archie Goodwin. Um, he <laughs> – No. <laughs> in all seriousness – going to die on that cross, man. In all seriousness, I don't think that's going to work. I think – that's part of the reason that I give away the fact that I had the Phoenix Suns ranked as the last team in the Western Conference this season. Um, part of the reason that pulled this division down, I had the you had the 15th, the 14th, and the 12th worst teams in the league, or based on my awesome analytics over here. So that that's what you're. <laughs> first in the All third. right, we're, we are running out of we are running out of time though. We we have to talk about the Phoenix Suns being the worst team in the league at, in the West Conference at some point. But quickly, give me your ranking of the division as a whole. I have the Warriors, Clippers, Kings, Lakers, and Suns. Um, okay, so I have Warriors, Clippers, Suns, Kings, Lakers. Mm-hmm. I really am not high on the Kings. Um, I am sort of high on the Phoenix Suns, I guess. So. That is going to do it for our show this week. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Niles Davis, L like Larry David, and P like Phil Helmuth. Uh, we will end as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better than staff without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. Please join us next week as we continue our division previews. <laughs>